Welcome to So Dead, a podcast where there's no limit to how far we will go to entertain our listeners. I'm Jen Carpenter. And I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday, deadheads. Before we get started, I have a breaking news alert. We've got some announcements to share today, which we're going to do at the end of the show. So make sure you listen all the way through. This week's episode is a little different. It's a lot of different. (laughs) This is our first fan-driven episode. When we reached our most recent goal on Patreon, our patrons voted on a road trip for us to take, and they chose for us to go on a train ride through a cult compound. Oh my god. So the poll actually ended in a tie because we did not put a time limit. So if you look at it now, it's tied between that and one other thing. But at the time that we made our plans, the cult compound was winning. So that's what you get. And who doesn't love a good cult? I don't, actually. (laughs) But I did love this trip because everything about it was so fucking weird. So fucking weird. And we're going to tell you all about it. But first, let me tell you guys a little bit about the House of David. All right. So before we get started, uh, there has been a lot of uh, talk in the podcasting world Mm -hmm. lately about properly citing sources, um, you know, not stealing content from other podcasters mm-hmm. and that's important super sure. <laughs> right um and i we definitely you know we put our own stories together always um we do obviously have to get our research from somewhere and i feel mm-hmm. like we're really good about if it is a podcast or if it's a book or something like that we're always really good about mentioning it during the episodes right um but we don't necessarily do a bibliography for every story that we tell. <laughs> Right. Um, But we've, uh, you know, we've heard you guys, we've heard the community and people want that. They think it's Mm -hmm. important. It is important. You know, if it's for me, I think it's been more kind of a if I can Google this and find the same information in 50 different places, I don't feel the need to cite it. But, you know, that did come from somewhere. Someone did do that research. So we're going to get better about that. We hear you guys. So before we get started with this one, um, my sources for this episode, I did... um, read a lot of things um <laughs> one um i listened to a podcast it's called mismatch podcast um and the episode was the house that beards built um <laughs> and then an article in the chicago tribune by ron grossman called a cult in benton harbor uh and a couple of essays one by glenn haney and one by julianne frost and then good old wikipedia which I don't really trust Wikipedia. No, because anybody can update it, right? I know it. But if I find something there, I'll go and verify it elsewhere. So I do use it, but I don't trust Mm -hmm. it exclusively because it's a lie. Right. All right. We ready? We're ready. Start your jam, girl. Okay. So the House of David is a religious colony that was founded by a traveling preacher slash broom salesman from Kentucky in the early 1900s. Wait a minute. There were broom salesmen? Yes. You heard me right. He was a broom salesman. Uh, Benjamin Purnell, who would eventually become known as King Ben, was born March 27, 1861 in Lewis County, Kentucky. He married his first wife, Angeline, at the age of 16. Did he sweep her off her feet? (laughs) Sorry, I could not help it. it. I I I was holding on to it. (laughs) Two years later, shortly after the birth of his first child, Ben abandoned Angeline and their newborn daughter. He never filed for divorce because, as the law was written at the time, if any party under the age of 18 walks away from a marriage, the marriage is considered null. 
So, I mean, now you can't really get married if you're not 18. Back then you could do it, but you could just change. I mean, you can, but you've got to have permission. Right. Um, back then you could do it, but you could also just change your mind and be like, nope, that's not the thing. <laughs> and move on. <laughs> and so that's exactly what he did. Um, about a year later, in 1880, Ben married Mary Stollard. And she would later become known as Queen Mary. Ben and Mary had their first child together in 1881, a son, Coy. So just to recap, by the time Ben Purnell was 20, he'd been married twice and had two children with two different women. And this is a man that will go on to serve as the moral compass for thousands of people. <laughs> he was a player. <laughs> um, so Ben and Mary had another child, a daughter, Hetty, and she was born in 1887. Mm-hmm. The Purnells acquired a covered wagon and became nomads, traveling throughout Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana, spreading the gospel. What's a nomad? Just they didn't live anywhere. Oh, they okay. lived out of the wagon. Okay. Um, to make money, they also sold brooms. I have another <laughs> theory about the brooms, so stay tuned for that. You think somebody was a witch? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yes. Uh, around 1893, the Purnells traveled to God House, a cult compound in Detroit that was embroiled in scandal at the time. God House, I'm like, seriously, you couldn't come up with a better name than that? Well, it doesn't get any holier. That's true. God House was the home of Prince Michael and his flying rollers. <laughs> What's a flying roller? I don't know. Like, you know, it just popped into my head. Mm -hmm. Um What's the roller skate derby? Roller derby. Roller derby. Right. <laughs> a roller derby cult might be cool, though. Uh, that would be one worth joining. Exactly. <laughs> as long as they had Taco Tuesday, we'd be good to go. Right. Uh, so I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about religion. I don't. Uh, and also, this kind of aspect of the whole cult thing bores me to death. Hmm. This might be the reason when you start getting into, like, um, ideology and theology that my brain just conks out and is like not interested. Um, so I'm going to keep it simple. Uh, Prince Michael claimed to be the seventh messenger as foretold in the book of Revelation. Basically, the only one that could save your soul from the impending apocalypse. So the first six messengers were a pretty big deal, but the seventh messenger was the guy, right? So this is the man that's going to lead everyone into eternal salvation when the apocalypse hits and okay. it's coming. Okay. Does that make sense without being too? I am also not a religious person. Okay. I respect religion. Yes. I don't practice it, um, but I understand that. So if okay. I get it, <laughs> I think <Get> it. <laughs> many of our listeners will. And if they don't, write in. We'll explain it more. So the police didn't believe that Prince Michael was the guy. When you say Prince Michael, all I can think of is Michael Jackson. <laughs> I know, I know. Me too. But that was his name. Um, to them, he was actually just a creep. He was an adulterer, a spousal abuser, and a child molester. More Gross. specifically, Prince Michael was accused of routinely tying up his wife and making her watch while he raped teenage girls <sighs> at God House. Yeah, he is not a good dude. There was a big scandalous trial, and Prince Michael was convicted and sent to... Ionia. No. 
Jackson State Prison, but I really just miss talking about Ionia. So I wanted to set that up just so we could bring it up again. (laughs) (laughs) It was while Prince Michael was in prison that the Purnells arrived at God House. And it was there that Benjamin Purnell first proclaimed that he was the seventh messenger. So he's like, you know... It definitely wasn't that guy because he was a creep and he's in prison. It's me with my glorious beard. I am your seventh messenger. Right? Um, but Godhouse was like, nah, bruh. Our cult can only have one leader. We've already got one. You're not it. And mm-hmm. they sent the Purnells packing. Um, they did take some of the flying rollers with them, though. And they relocated to Fostoria, Ohio in 1902, where they spearheaded a startup cult. Real quick, I'm so sorry. No, you're good. We talked about flying rollers. Is that what they referred to their members as? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I like, know. What is that? Prince Michael and the Flying Rollers sounds like a band, but no, that was a cult in Detroit in the 1800s. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to compose myself. Can we pause? Yes. <laughs> okay, go on. All right. Um, so... They're in Fostoria, Ohio. It's 1902. Um, they weren't there for long, though. About a week after her 16th birthday, Ben and Mary's daughter, Hetty, got a job at the fireworks factory in town. Her first day of work was February 16, 1903. Her father was leading a sermon that day, and his church was so close to the factory Hetty worked in that he could actually see her building from the pulpit. So he had a front row seat to the horror that unfolded. Oh, no. In the middle of Ben's sermon, the fireworks factory caught fire. Mm. And what happens to fireworks when they catch fire? Right. It's not good. They explode. The scene was so horrific that no one had any doubt that everyone inside the building had been killed, including Hetty. But the Purnells were practicing Nazarites, and Nazarites cannot associate with the dead. So as a result, the Purnells didn't go to Hetty's funeral. And that didn't sit well with the townsfolk. I don't know, understand what that means when you don't like I we have definitely encountered people that say it's against my religion to talk about ghosts or yeah supernatural any true crime like they just are very turned off by what we talk about on a regular yes. basis and that is their right I don't agree but it's I respect that that's where they stand right um I don't understand how you don't like. Yeah, even funerals. Yeah, I don't... I guess maybe... Because death is inevitable and it's just a part of life. Like, I I guess maybe maybe my thought on it... And it doesn't make sense later with something that we'll find out later. Okay. um, This idea that I have. But my Mm -hmm. thought is, you know, the body is a vessel. So once you're dead, the soul is gone and that body is meaningless type of thing. So they don't... Acknowledge know. that it exists still. Okay. I, I'm not sure. If anybody knows, let us know. Yeah, but basically, that's interesting. It's such an like because I don't understand it. That's where I go. Okay, now I'm fascinated. Yeah, you know, just because I don't practice religion, I don't participate. It doesn't mean I don't want to learn more. About exactly. It. And part of this, I absolutely want to learn more about. So remember this piece. Okay. Later, because now that I've come, made a big deal out of yeah, it, yeah, it'll come back around. In a weird way, and then make it not make any sense. Okay, good. I can't Um, wait. (laughs) (laughs) So the townsfolk took this to mean that the Purnells didn't love their daughter, when in reality Mm. it was said that Benjamin Purnell never recovered from the shock of losing Hetty. There are 
journals and writings that both of them did over the years and they just were very much grieving maybe a little bit because they didn't they weren't allowed to grieve right so they never recovered um anyway so the townspeople believe that they are heartless they're godless and you can't run a religious cult if you're godless right (laughs) so the Purnells and their followers were run out of ohio uh and on march 17th 1903 so about a month later they settled in Benton Harbor, Michigan, which mm-hmm. is a small town in the southwest corner of the state right near Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at your hand, it's mm-hmm. kind of like on your wrist bone. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, there they founded the Israelite House of David and set up camp on Britain Road. And here's a clarification. Again, I'm not religious. So mm-hmm. why this wording was chosen, um, they were actually Christians. So... People hear Israelite House of David and they think that it's like a Jewish cult. Oh, right. Was not. Right. Um, they were Christians. So they set up camp on Britain Road and they began recruiting members uh, and their requirements were strict. To become a member of the cult or community, you had to basically give up everything that makes life worth living. No sex, no meat, which also could mean no sex. Uh, no alcohol. <laughs> Which also means no sex. (laughs) No tobacco, no haircuts, no money, and no earthly possessions. Well, no haircuts would lead to no sex. True. And no alcohol would lead to no sex. Like I said, I see what the root is. That makes life fun is gone. Uh, Married couples could join together. They could join as a family with their children, Hmm. uh, but they had to redefine their relationship as brother and sister. So you were no longer husband and wife. You were now brother and sister. How confusing must that have been for the kids? My aunt is now... Uncle dad and aunt mom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's okay. Weird. Yeah. Um, So your very first act as a member of the House of David was to sign all of your property over to the Purnells. Ah. Houses, land, money, all of it. Ah. So this is red flag number one, or should be, but a surprising number of people fell for it. And not just lost souls looking for a sense of purpose. These were smart, successful, wealthy pillars of their communities, literally giving everything they had to the Purnells, just so they could never have sex or eat meat or drink or smoke. That's interesting. Or party again. Right? Uh, In no time, Benjamin's ill-gotten gains piled up, and he built a monstrosity of a mansion called Shiloh House for his followers to live in. At 32,000 square feet, Shiloh House is believed to be the largest single-family home in Michigan. Wow. So, of course, you know, they weren't a single family. They were a ton of people, but it wasn't separated into, like, dorms or apartments. apartments, It was one big house. Yep. Um, And it's still there. Uh, It is still owned and maintained by the organization king Hmm. ben also built his own mansion because a king can't live amongst the peasants right uh and he called that one diamond house uh it is believed to be the first building constructed using the mineral hematite 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 something Uh, hematite (laughs) i don't know which in the sunlight makes it sparkle like it's covered in diamonds hence Hmm. the name It should be mentioned here that Diamond House has been struck by lightning multiple times, as in more than once. So So that's red flag number two. Lightning does strike twice. Yeah. 
lightning strikes twice yeah. and three times and four times if you yeah. live in diamond house and your name's king ben it should also be mentioned that benjamin purnell still resides at diamond house today but we'll get to that later king ben also bought an island high island to be exact huh. a 3500 acre plot of land in northern lake michigan way up between the upper and lower peninsulas so nowhere near their compound at all okay um they operated a timber cutting and farming operation there, and a community of about 150 members of the House of David lived there year-round. About that timber cutting operation, real quick. Uh, according to folklore, the leader of another religious cult buried treasure on High Island before the House of David purchased it. The treasure was supposedly 30 paces from a large tree that was easily identifiable until the House of David came in and chopped all the trees down. So to this day, nobody has found that treasure, hmm. um, but people still go looking for it. Interesting. It's been said that the island was used for unsavory purposes as well, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm looking forward to a lot here. I know. I know. <laughs> There's so much to get through. I know. you um, got to build your foundation yeah, first. Okay. Yeah. So House of David had a world-famous barnstorming baseball team. They were said to be good enough to take on any major league team, and they did play them in exhibition games, the Yankees included, uh, and they won quite often. But because they wouldn't slash couldn't cut their hair, they were not allowed to join the MLB. So they played in the Negro Baseball Leagues instead. And why wouldn't they cut their hair? Well, according to an attorney who was also a member, this is a direct quote, they wore their hair and beards long because they believed they could absorb electricity from the air with their long hair. And the electricity is just as important as food. I don't know why he used the word they in this quote because he also... Was part of it. He should have said we. <laughs> we. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that, that maybe was he the wasn't, reason. Maybe he wasn't on the baseball team, so he was referring to the team. Oh, yeah. Good point. But yeah, that's... That's the reason, oddly. It wasn't religion. It was electricity. You told me that fact the other day, and all I kept thinking is people wear those magnetic bracelets now to ward off the electricity in the air. No, but if you want They don't want to it, absorb it. Then grow your hair long and grow a beard. Okay. Okay. Noted. <laughs> the bearded ones were most famous for their baseball team. If you Google House of David, the first thing you're going to see is the baseball team pictures, mm -hmm. and they're incredible. Mm -hmm. um, but they actually had a successful traveling basketball team as well. In fact, it was said that they taught the Harlem Globetrotters their pepper game, which was their trick moves and all that fancy stuff that we know the Globetrotters do. Mm -hmm. um, the House of David did it first. They did it as a baseball team and as a basketball team, and the Harlem Globetrotters adopted it and really took off with it. I love that fact. Isn't that crazy? It's such a cool, no one knows kind I know of thing. It. So the House of David had a popular jazz band and a vaudeville act. They ran a trolley service. Uh, they had essentially built their own city inside the city of Benton Harbor. They had thousands of acres of farmland, a cannery, a carpenter shop, a coach factory, not the purses, oh, actual bummer. coaches, um, a tailor shop, a power plant, a hotel, and Eden Springs Park. So let's talk about Eden Springs. Mm -hmm. Because depending on who you ask, the motive behind its creation varies quite a bit. Uh, hmm. The official story goes like this. The House of David and King Ben wanted a way to foster goodwill with the community that they were rapidly taking over, a source of revenue for the organization, 
turns out supporting hundreds of people that aren't allowed to earn, have, or spend their own money is not cheap. Uh, and they needed somewhere for the members to put their energy. Because remember, they were all full of electricity because of the long hair. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't even burn any of it off by having sex. So they were just all wound up all the time. Right. They were um, on like a sugar high. Right. Enter Eden Springs Park. Okay. A beautiful amusement park with an intricate miniature railroad that traversed the whole park, a zoo, a concert stage, a beer garden, a restaurant, a bowling alley, arcade games, homemade ice cream, vacation cabins, beautiful Gatsby-esque gardens, and the House of David baseball team's home field. I mean, this place sounds awesome. It was a happening place. People came from all over the country to visit. And that was the real point, according to skeptics. Some say that Eden Springs Park was a front, a way to lessen the danger, to mask the big bad wolf, and make people feel safe, a way to draw them in, get them to let their guards down, get them to trust the House of David, and then get them to join the House of David and give them all their money. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, in my research, I did not find any instances where anyone claimed that that actually happened to them. But it is part of the lore that that was the, the reason mm-hmm. that they opened the park. Um, generally, though, it seems like people really liked the House of David community. Right. Who they, wouldn't? Right. They were viewed as kind, philanthropic. Is that how you say that? Philan- like philanthropists? Philanthropists. But okay. philanthropic? Is that? I don't know if that's how you say it. I wrote it, but I don't know how to say it. Okay. That's why I write instead of talk, typically. Got it. Um, They were (laughs) soft-spoken. They were thoughtful, funny, talented, hardworking, genuine people. Did I use enough adjectives there? I mean, it sounds like they're wonderful people. (laughs) Yes. At their peak, there were upwards of 1,200 members. Wow, that's a lot. But still, they were a cult. A cult, by definition, is a system of religious veneration or devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Guilty. A relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Guilty. Definitely the strange part, if Mm -hmm. not the sinister. Um, A misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. Guilty. Mm -hmm. So negative connotations about the word cult aside, that's exactly what the House of David was. Right. I mean, people's idea of cult is definitely... Bad. Bad. But the definition of it is not negative at all. Right. It's just. Yeah. If you're going by the actual definition of the word, mm-hmm. House of David was a cult. Sure. Um, and anyone that knows anything about true crime knows that you can't have a cult without a scandal. Enter the story. Here we go. <laughs> in 1902, Benjamin released a publication called The Stars of Bethlehem, in which he declared the apocalypse would occur in 1905. Only members of the colony who had given up all of their earthly possessions would become celestial beings. But then when the world didn't end in 1905, people wanted their shit back. And they started suing the House of David to get it back. Really? Yeah. So the most famous case involved the Hansel family, who won a judgment of $24,000 against the House of David in a case that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which in the early 1900s, $24,000 was quite a bit of money. Yeah, I wonder what, like, if you convert that into today's money well if i was more on it i sure would have done that but Mm -hmm. i didn't so let's just say one billion (laughs) dollars sounds good to me (laughs) and then came the sex scandal Uh uh-oh 
As early as 1910, King Ben was accused of inappropriate behavior with girls as young as 10. At a street fair in Chicago where the House of David made a fundraising appearance, a witness reported that Purnell slept in a tent full of young girls that he had dance for him at night in their night clothes. And this wasn't anyone with any skin in the game because there's a lot of accusations that are going to go back and forth here in a minute. This was just a lady in Chicago that was like, that's fucking weird Mm -hmm. and called the police. Um, So that's important to note there. When authorities attempted to question Purnell about the incident, he disappeared. He was actually said to have hidden in a vault behind the bear's den in the zoo at Eden Springs Park for a while. Well, that's brave. Right. In 1923, 13 women came forward with claims that Benjamin Purnell had raped them as young girls. Mm. They all reported similar experiences. They would be taken out of their beds in the dark of night to the third floor ballroom in Diamond House, where Benjamin would sit on the edge of his bed speaking the word of God to them. He would tell them that he had to do these things to save their souls and purify their blood. It was also said that Ben used the House of David's private island, High Island, as another spot to sexually abuse young girls. I mean, you can't trust a group of rich, tall white guys that run a cult with their own private island. Were they tall? I mean, the long hair probably made them look a lot taller than they were. Got it. Um, But that's just common sense. And as we've learned here in Michigan, uh, rich white guys owning islands, not a good plan. (laughs) On a side note... (laughs) Um, North Fox Island is what we're referring to, which we've talked about way back in one of our earlier episodes, um, which was a child pornography ring Mm -hmm. run by rich white men. Um, So my mom got me this really nice tote bag that's got the state of Michigan on it. And then it's got all of the cities, not all because there's way too many, but a bunch of like the bigger cities listed. And all I see when I look at it, there's probably 100 cities listed. And all I see when I look at it, my eyes just zoom right to where it says Fox Islands. Gross. And I'm like, no bad place. That's so sad. Um, so now we add this to it. And they weren't that far apart, actually. The um, High Island was part of the Beaver Island, like, set of little islands. Got it. Mm-hmm. And North Fox Island wasn't that far from that. So they were actually pretty close. Okay. Um, anyway, so 24-year-old Gladys Rubel was one of the women to accuse King Ben of rape. She said she was 13 years old the first time she was taken to his room late at night. He told her not to tell her mother about the things that happened and that there was no need to put it in her written monthly confession because there was nothing wrong with what they were doing. A female cult member responsible for transporting the girls to and from Diamond House told Gladys that she should feel honored that the Son of God had chosen her and that what King Ben was doing to her was the only way to cleanse her blood and make her immortal. Hmm. The trials made front page news around the country on a daily basis. Full court transcripts were published in the Benton Harbor newspaper daily. Over 1,600 pages of documents were presented. And so, you know, I love to read this kind of stuff. Right. Um, I love to read the, like, as it's happening news reports and see how the stories change as facts come out. Right. I could not read these. I skimmed Mm. them, but it was so dense. It was just the thick with words. Mm. The paper was just... It looked like scrolls or something. Oh, it was just I can see it so much. And I, could, I skimmed them, but I couldn't read all the way through them. I would look for like a name or a word and then kind of focus in on that section. But it was sure. way too much. But if you like that kind of thing, they are out there and they're fascinating. Hmm. Um, there were hundreds of witnesses on both sides. 
And then in 1924, at the height of the trial, King Ben and Queen Mary's son, Coy, died in Shiloh House following a long illness. Coy had actually abandoned the House of David and his father's teachings so that he could marry and have a family. Um, and father and son had actually been estranged for many years at the time of Coy's death, but he died during all of this. Hmm. The trial ended in November 1927. Benjamin Purnell was found guilty only of fraud, and he died before he was sentenced. Let me tell you something, though. I have seen pictures of King Ben. You have seen pictures of mm -hmm. King Ben. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll post them on our website. He for sure looks like the type of guy <laughs> who would forbid those around him from having sex and then skeeve up on some teenage girls. <laughs> skeeve up. Does he not? He does give off the vibe. And then his wife, Mary, we will post pictures of her too. But she looked like a straight-up witch, and that's why they sold rooms. I'm convinced. Well, I'm convinced that he was like, um, I'm out, can't have sex, therefore I don't have to have sex with my wife. Right. She was scary looking. I don't even know if witch is the right term. There's this picture of her that I have mm. that we will post. She literally looks like a soul-eating demon. There's a creep vibe. For sure. Mm -hmm. um, so on December 16th, 1927, 66-year-old Benjamin Purnell died of tuberculosis in his bedroom at Diamond House. But his followers did not mourn. They were certain well. that the seventh messenger would rise from the grave. And so they kept his body wrapped in damp towels for eight days. Okay, but okay, what, aren't they when did he die? Uh, December 16th, 1927. Okay. So it was wintertime. He wasn't, like, baking. Okay, but aren't they supposed to not have anything to do with dead bodies? Well, okay, but is that what House of David believed? Yeah. They, that like, was, adopted that, too? Yeah. Okay. So That's I interesting. I don't understand this part, given that, you know. But maybe he was the only he's exception. Different. He's the exception. Like, everybody else, no, but. Yeah, because he's the messenger. That Got makes it. sense. I just, it's weird to me. Eventually, the coroner forced his way into the house and basically said, either you bury him or we're going to. So the House of David embalmed King Ben using a special resurrection embalming kit that they ordered from overseas. I got to look on Etsy and see if they have those. It'd be nice to just... That'd be like something you order on Amazon. <laughs> um, and they sealed him inside a glass coffin. That coffin sits on display... Inside Diamond House to this day. With him in it? With him in it. <gasps> it's said that he is still perfectly preserved as if he just died yesterday. No. Because his followers still think he's coming back. So, yeah, he still lives what? at Diamond House. He doesn't live there. He, he dies. He resides there. He <gasps> is shacked up at Diamond House. I don't know how to respond to that. Isn't that so strange? Do we know who lives at Diamond House now? I think members of the House of okay, David. Okay, yeah, because they still run it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really uncomfortable <laughs> with this information. Well, okay. we drove right by it. I know. <laughs> anyway. So following King Ben's death, a civil war raged within the House of David. Mary, who'd been Ben's partner through the rise and fall of their cult, claimed that she was the seventh messenger, that she and Ben had been... Co-messengers. So this is now the third, seventh messenger. 
So we're in like the 10th messenger. Oh, right, right. That's right. Because there was the, the Detroit there was one. Prince, the, the, the flying roller. roller. Blades. <laughs> the yeah. roller and then King Ben and now Queen Mary. Okay. So we're on our third, seventh messenger. They were not good at math. So it was business as usual. King Ben was just sealed in a glass box now. Um, but Judge Henry Dewhurst, a longtime member of the colony, said, no woman's going to lead my cult and sued Mary for ownership. Wow. The case, once again, went all the way to the Supreme Court. They really liked the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Um, and Judge Dewhurst won. A judge beating a woman in a court case in the 1930s? It's unheard of. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary Purnell left the House of David, but she didn't go far. She went right across the street, in fact, and formed her own damn cult. She and the 300-plus members that left with her became known as Mary's City of David, or just City of David, as it's known today. Queen Mary lived to be 90 years old. She died on August 19, 1953. She, for some reason, was not expected to come back to life and therefore is not on display in a glass box like her husband. Interesting. She is buried at Crystal Springs Cemetery with her son, Coy. So as crazy as all of this is, probably the craziest thing about Michigan's wackiest cult is that it still exists. Mm-hmm. There is one remaining member of City of David, and there are a few people left in the House of David, mm-hmm. which might be bad news for the rest of us because Mary once prophesied that someday the membership of House of David would be few enough to fit inside her closet. Um And they're vegetarians, so they're skinny, which means you could definitely squeeze three to four of them in a closet. Um, And once they all fit in that closet together, that meant the end was near. Which I mean, she's right. Because they couldn't have sex, so they're not adding new members. Mm -hmm. So they're going to die. Right. So someday they're all going to fit in a closet. And how Mm -hmm. did they, you know, at this point they're dying off one by one in their 70s, 80s, 90s. And they're like, oh, I'm going, but they've got this because they're about to fit in that damn closet. Right. So, I mean, I guess it's a, a a good way for them to go, a good thing for them to believe in the end here. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so the two compounds still stand today, House mm-hmm. of David and City of David, directly across the street from one another on Britain Avenue. <laughs> Eden Springs Park is still there. Mm-hmm. It is all still there. Mm-hmm. We know. Because we recently visited Benton Harbor and we saw all of it. So, Jen and I went to the compound of House of David in Benton Harbor, Michigan. (laughs) Um, It was about a two-hour drive from Lansing. Um, We had a good car ride, I think. Yeah. The highway was a little bumpy, but it was good. Danny has this thing. I had to ask her about it because we've gone several places together now and every time (laughs) we hit like a rumbly patch, she's like, do we have a flat tire? And she freaks out. So I was Uh like, did you have like a bad experience with a flat tire one time? I did. She did. So she's very paranoid about flat tires. very paranoid about it. I I hate them. (laughs) Um, Okay. So (laughs) we visited the city of David, drove past Shiloh House, Diamond House, and several other beautiful buildings owned or once owned by House of David. And we spent hours exploring Eden Springs Park. (laughs) We did. It was very fascinating. Very fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Frightening. It was frightening Uh, frightening and and fascinating. fascinating. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. It was creepy as shit. Um, But 
we still did it. We walked around the entire place. Because you told us to. Uh huh. <laughs> we were greeted by Debbie Boyer Smith, who is a volunteer at the property, and also the granddaughter of a former House of David member, and Debbie Earl was, Boyer Smith. Yeah. And Debbie was super cool. Oh, she was probably one of the nicest people I've ever come across yes. in life. Absolutely. So nice and warm and welcoming. Um, there are many volunteers that work on their free time to restore the grounds. They have one actual employee that manages the campground, mm -hmm. so you can go camping there. Mm -hmm. Debbie gave us a tour and shared some of her stories about the religion, her family's connection, and some of the ghosts that still live on the property. Mm -hmm. um, what was your first impression when we pulled up? So for me, I always worry a little bit. And I, again, I don't ever claim to be any kind of empath or psychic or anything like mm -hmm. that, but I have learned that when I visit places with a lot of activity, like Seven Gables Road, like the Stimson Hospital, mm -hmm. uh, like my old house that I used to live in, I will get physically sick. I'll get nauseous. I'll get headaches. It'll, it almost feels like a hangover. Sure. Um, and I expected that and I anticipated that because I've heard how haunted Eden Springs is. And that was not what I felt like. When we first got there, I felt very peaceful, mm -hmm. very calm, very much like, oh, this is such a lovely place. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not a very peaceful, calm person in general. <laughs> so I guess no. they, <laughs> that should have been kind of my warning that, you know, that's a little weird. But yeah, no, I felt super at peace when we first mm -hmm. got there. It felt weird to me. I'm Did not going to lie. Mm-hmm. But I said that to you. I said I feel really, like, light mm -hmm. and, like, happy. Like, this is a yes. fun place. And I think my response was, not me. <laughs> and, again, like, me too. I don't have any abilities. You know, once in a while you get the feeling that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. But I have no claim to fame on the supernatural side. Like, being able to communicate mm -hmm. or see or talk or whatever. Um, but it was uncomfortable for me there. Mm-hmm. But the more that we were talking to Debbie, the easier it got for me. And I think it was just because I was so engrossed in the stories. And see, for me, the, it was the, the opposite. opposite happened. Yeah. So interesting. Um, the whole land was cute. You yes. could see they have a ton of work to do and they've done a ton of work. But you could see the potential of it and what it used to be. And the love that they put into it, oh, for sure. They put so much love and time into this. Yes. and. It's really, it really is worth visiting. Anyway, um, before the House of David purchased Eden Springs, though, the land was owned by Colonel Harry Eastman, who was the former mayor of Green Bay, Wisconsin. The entire property was fer ferred. <laughs> it was also referred to as Eastman Springs, and he refused to sell it or let anyone make improvements to the property, which hmm. is interesting to me. That's weird. Like, why? Right. He also wouldn't allow anyone to be harmed on the property. Well, that's, I think that's like a good rule everywhere. You, that, I have that rule at my house. Right. Me too. Um, Does that mean we're a cult? Right. Maybe. Well, <laughs> this was a cult. This was Colonel Eastman. Yes. Story goes that when Eastman bought the property, he discovered mineral springs. He began bottling and selling the water as a miracle tonic. But magic water wasn't all he found on the property. Mm. While working the land, he dug up the remains of Native Americans. <gasps> uh huh. 
Rather than leave them undisturbed or give them a proper burial elsewhere, he just tossed them in the woods and left them to rot. Did he not watch Poltergeist? No, there was no TV back then. We know better now, though, than to fuck with native remains or anybody's remains, but especially native remains. Yeah. Well, yeah. For more reasons than just like the spiritual part. Correct. Um, It's said that the spirit of those Native Americans still haunt the grounds and and are unhappy with the treatment of their remains. Of course. Um, Eastman's great-great-granddaughter, Sarah, will visit every couple of years and leave some tobacco under a tree as an apology and as and as a peace offering for her ancestors' heirs. I think that's sweet. It is sweet. I don't know if it's working, but it's sweet. <laughs> right. Um, Debbie, our tour guide, told us that since Sarah hasn't visited in a while, she went down to the woods recently and left a cigarette under the tree to help carry on the tradition and keep peace with How the nice spirit. Of her. I think that's so sweet. And she took us to that tree. She did. She did. Um, Debbie told us that she has seen many apparitions on the property. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so interesting listening to All her. of her stories. Because there she would, so many. Yeah. And it was cool being there because she would walk us around and show us exactly and she, where yeah. it was. And, and the thing is, and I think this is important to consider anytime that someone's telling you stories of like a supernatural nature, mm-hmm. she was so down to earth. Yes. Um, very like salt of the earth. Yes. And so to hear her say like, oh, yep, right over there is where this and this and this, you know, it makes it feel much more real than if mm-hmm. it's someone that you feel is just telling you a story. Or like a little kooky or dramatic. Right. Mm-hmm. She was not. No. Um, she saw her first one in the engine house. That's right. They have an engine house. Yeah. <laughs> she said that she was doing some painting one afternoon and was the only person on site that day when she heard a loud knock on the door. Um, she peeked out the window to see who was there and saw a person walking around the building. Um, when she looked closer, the person had disappeared. Mm. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a person there after all. Yikes. I know. <laughs> um, she's seen black masses by the lion house. We saw the lion house. We saw the lion house. So that's from when there there was a zoo. Yes. There are no lions there now, but there used to be. What if there are ghost lions? Well, she said maybe that's what it was. Snoop Lion. (laughs) What? Remember when Snoop Dogg changed his name to Snoop Lion? No, I don't. (laughs) How did did you miss it? He did. I think he changed it back now. I mean, P. Diddy changed his name a couple times. He changed it to Snoop Lion. I think he's Snoop Dogg again now. It didn't catch on. I love that. Like when Prince changed his name to the symbol. Some things just don't ever catch on. They don't, no. Her brother, who's very skeptical of the paranormal and doesn't or didn't believe the place was haunted, um, he saw his first apparition about two weeks ago when they were standing outside the greenhouse and there was a large black mass over by a bush. It was gone as soon as it appeared, he said. Yeah. It's always interesting to hear somebody who doesn't believe and who calls bullshit on everybody who tells the stories, and then he, they're like, oh. And he, too. I mean, we met him. He took yeah. our train tickets. Yep. Um, he was real down-to-earth, yep. very matter-of-fact guy. And, yeah, yeah so but, I bet that was quite a moment for him. Yeah, like a no-bullshitter, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the jailhouse is also a hot spot for spirits. Mm. Jailhouse. Okay. Um. Yes, I know. 
Why does an amusement park have a jail? And here's something that's very strange to me about that is that Debbie explained it to us. Mm Mm-hmm. And it made perfect sense to me when she explained it. She said that, you know, it was right near the beer garden. And when people would get rowdy, one of the members of House of David was a deputy. Mm -hmm. So he had the authority to arrest people and throw them in the jail. And we were like, okay, all right. And then I'm thinking about it after we left. And I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. There should not be a jail at an amusement park because this is not – Eden Springs is not out of the way by any means. It's in a city. Mm-hmm. Benton Harbor had a police department. Right. If someone's unruly in your beer garden, call the police. Yeah, you can't be in the bar, get unruly, and then keep them captive in the bathroom or the kitchen. This jail was like a dungeon. Oh, creepy as shit. We took pictures of it. We'll post them for you guys. Um, yeah, Debbie has seen figures in there. Yes. She um, said she got hit with a rock in there yes, one time. Yes, She said she, she was standing in there and she got hit in the leg with she a rock. She showed us the little rock. She was like, yeah. I think it might have been this one. She said it just kind of popped up and hit her. Um, Jen got a little sick in the jail. Yes. This is when this, things started to turn for me. Yeah, like you were at peace and then we went into this spot. And- well, and so the, the makeup, too, of the park is that you start up on ground level. Right. And then you're slowly going down like, and in. Yeah. It's like a big the, swirl. It really <laughs> where is. Where you end up in the garden. And the jail was kind of the start of that descent. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel well in the jail, and then it took me like a little while after. I just from then on, that feeling of peace was gone. Right, it's like the further in we went, the more uncomfortable I became. It's kind of mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, it, Jen, when we left the jail, Jen sat down, and I'm you know being a flight and just <laughs> exploring everything. And finally, I turned and I'm like. Something's not right with Jen. <laughs> she don't feel good. No, I did not feel I was right. not catching the cues at all. Um, so many of the apparitions that have been reported on property were seen by volunteers and guests all throughout the property. I didn't see anything. Did you see anything? No, when I kept taking pictures, hoping that maybe something later would show up. something would pop up, but nothing. Um, I don't think there was a spot that didn't have activity, though. Yeah. Like, everywhere Debbie took us, which was basically the entire ground. She took us everywhere. She had a story about somebody saw this here, I saw this there. Yes. And a lot of times it wasn't just, like, a black mass. It was, there was a man standing there. And then when I turned, the man was gone. Yeah. So, I don't know. (sighs) On our trip, we followed Debbie through the grounds. We looked at the overgrown gardens. The gardens. Even though I was real sick down there, mm-hmm. the garden is my favorite part. Because was it? I'm obsessed with like the Great Gatsby. Oh, it looked, and it looked like something out of I the agree. Gatsby movie. It really did. And you could see that they were really trying to make it just incredible. Maintain, and maintain it. Yeah. And we saw the pictures of it when like in its glory days. Oh, my gosh. I know. It was Incredible. I've never seen anything like it. I know it. Um, They have a fountain that still runs, and it's a huge fountain. Mm -hmm. Um, The buildings that are nothing but shells of their former selves, which is sad. Yeah. Um, But they offer that creepy 
vibe. What's amazing is that, yeah, they do because they start, you know, they started with the train depot because they wanted Mm -hmm. the trains running again. So that's adorable. Oh my God. And they're working on a little museum now. And so there was workers there working that day um, on the greenhouse and the restaurant. And so, you know, they had to start somewhere. So you can see the things that have been redone. You can see the things that they're working on now, and you can see the things that are still just, you know, these abandoned, torn up buildings. Right. Um, Throughout the ground, there's like giant rocks. Mm. Yes, the rocks. And I'm fascinated by it because part of the purchase agreement when the owner, Terry, purchased this land. From the House of David. From the House of David. Part of the purchase agreement was that the rocks were to stay and not to be moved. Isn't that Like, they so can't weird. be transported even within the property. They have to stay in the spot. And they didn't look necessarily like headstones, nope. per se. They were just giant rocks. Mm-hmm. I, and they have no idea what the significance is. There's going to be I something, though. want to know. If somebody out there knows... Tell us. Tell us what that is. Um... But yeah, she showed us pictures of what all the grounds used to look like. Just incredible. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a place I probably would have loved to visit, to yeah, be honest. absolutely. Um, they have tons of scrapbooks, which I found so cool. Yes. You know, because it's not House of David that owns that property anymore. No. It's nothing affiliated with... It's a, a single man yep. that owns the property, and he bought it because he wanted somewhere to run his trains. His right. passion is, you know, miniature yeah. trains. He had no association with House of David or City of David. But many of the volunteers. Yes. Many of the volunteers do, which mm-hmm. I think is neat that he's even like, yeah, let's just embrace the history of it. The history, and then I don't, uh, when he first purchased it and, you know, had his vision for it, the paranormal wasn't a part of that, but now that that has come to light, that's very much been embraced as well. Mm-hmm. So while we're still talking about the trains and the, um, I mean, they do Halloween train rides. Yes. They Christmas. do Christmas train rides and everything's decorated. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have multiple trains. Yeah. They're it's doing. It's not just one little train. Like we went into the engine house and there are. Several. And they're so cute. I know it. So cute. I didn't even know, like, people collect. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know this was a thing. Uh, Yeah. Uh, There's a paranormal camp out coming up. So they have all kinds of really interesting different events. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely worth looking into and going for a visit. Yeah. That's my plug. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, The train ride was really cool. It takes you, not through all the grounds, but a good chunk Mm -hmm. of it. And... Ask for Debbie when you go, if you can. Um, I don't know if she would like us to say that. <laughs> but she really, honestly, was the best tour guide. And she, she knows the history. So if you're interested in the history of Eden Springs Park or the House of David or City of David, she will tell you. And she's very open about it. She you know. Is. Yep. She um, runs the Facebook page. So if you go yeah. on the House of David, Eden Springs Park Facebook page and send them a message, Debbie is the person that will answer you back. Yeah. Um, but we were looking at their scrapbooks. Mm-hmm. And while we're looking at them, Debbie talked to us about her grandpa Earl. Yeah. He was in a lot of the photos. He's in a lot of the photos. Yeah, which I thought was cool. He obviously left the colony so he could start a family. Hence having a granddaughter. <laughs> right. Um, and we asked how that worked because in 
our minds, and I think maybe most of the general public would think, when you leave a cult, you're banned. Right. Like you know, like the Amish or like yeah, you know, Jehovah's like, Witness. You get shunned. Yep. Basically. And she said whether or not you're a member Did of the I House of Did I just call Dean? the Amish and Jehovah's Witnesses cults? I didn't mean it like that at all. No. but I was just trying yeah. a comparison. <laughs> Do you put down the pitchforks? That is right. not how I meant that. <laughs> right. No. But when you leave communities – yeah, though of or like religious a religious organization, mm-hmm. a lot of times you do get shunned and you're not welcome to visit. Shit, churches will do that to you, you know. Scientology, <laughs> right? That's debatable. Oh, that's a cult. That's a cult. <laughs> that one's definitely a cult. <laughs> um, so, but she said it doesn't matter if you were part of the re- cult or religion or you practiced or what or not. Um, everyone was still family and. The rules were up to that individual. Yeah, you, you could know? leave and there was no judgment. It was understood that you wanted, you know, a family and yep. you could then still bring that family back yeah. for Sunday dinner. Yeah, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they would do. They'd mm-hmm. come back for Sunday dinner. They mm-hmm. would come and enjoy the park. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. They had family and friends and... Debbie described the community as very loving and accepting. And she said that the religion is really a beautiful one. And... When she was explaining it to us, you know, like, Mm -hmm. this is where my fascination Mm -hmm. grows, you know. I think we're very opposite in this way. Mm -hmm. I wanted her to just keep telling me more. Yeah. Not because I felt like I was being sucked in or drinking the juice, if you will, (laughs) you know. But it's very... It's so interesting. I really like to hear other people's perspectives. It's not, if I call it a cult, that's what it is. That's... That's right. not really how I view it. That's, uh, yeah, that's maybe how I view it as a cult because I'm unfamiliar or whatever. But right. so to them, they, you know, and she said, you know, when we asked her about the characterization as a cult, she said that people fear what they don't understand. And I think that's a really, that's a, that's a great statement. To it make. is. And I was, you know, I still feel very conflicted. Uh-huh. Um, because I will say this, it's a very open place. It's a very welcoming place. Mm-hmm. Um, did get the creepy heebie-jeebie vibes the further sure. in we went. Yep. But overall, you know, I would not be opposed to going again. It's, you know, it's open to the public. So they're right. very open. They're very open with the history. Um, they're very welcoming. And and I say they, and, and Debbie is not a member of the House of David at all. No. She's a volunteer at nope. the... Um, park that has ties to the House right. of David, right. um, just to make that clarification. But, um, but at the same time, after doing this extensive research, so I, in specific, the sex scandal, she mm-hmm. did bring that up, and she said that yep. um, she brought that up specifically. She, we yes. were going to try and talk to her about it, but she was the one that initiated that conversation, mm-hmm. which is really respectable. Yeah. you know, I mean. It's it just shows there's no secrets. Yeah, like, they we'll don't talk have, about it. Yeah, they don't have a um, you know, we're trying to hide it, but they're definitely the different perspectives are interesting, mm-hmm. but then they leave you wondering like which one, what's real, right? You know what I mean, right? Basically, she said that the scandal, the sex scandal, was like a money grab, right? From the family. Um, the Hansels. The Hansels, Which yes. the Hansels, if you remember from way back when we began the House of David talk <laughs> six years ago, um, <laughs> the Hansels were the the family that sued them and got the big settlement. Right. Um, and so 
she said that the the sex scandal was tied to that and it was right. all a big plan orchestrated by them to get yes. money from the house of david um yeah. and what was reported in the media was only the bad stuff she said she even said the people in the colony would were always like do you really think we'd let somebody like this be our leader Here's what I think. I think that they truly believed he didn't do it. Yeah. I believe that those other men were probably not predators. I think that they were good, Christian, God-seeking, you know, for lack of a better term, followers. I, In my opinion, and I have no proof, I think he was probably gross. Um, I, I <laughs> Some of the things I've read, it's... Alleged that it wasn't just him. He was the only one that ever faced any actual charges, but the okay. accusations were more widespread that, you know, the, okay. the men higher up in House of David but had that's that. How it, goes. it is. And so for me, it's very, I believe very much that, you know, the, the overall mission of House of David was good, mm-hmm. had good intention. Yeah. I believe in any church, school, family there are bad apples anywhere you go i think benjamin purnell was a bad apple and where that unfortunately hits them is that he was the guy he He was was the leader leader. Mm -hmm. um and so i you know she said that in there's documentation proving all of these women all 13 of these women later rescinded recanted their accusations um, that was she said it wasn't published in the papers and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. I could find no proof right. of it online, but she said it can be proven in court documents. I just have a very hard time, especially in this day and age, discounting right. thirteen women. Yeah. And in those court transcripts that I did kind of rifle through to some degree, I did read one section from the judge that addressed that that said, you know, I get that they're saying that this is a money grab, but these women aren't asking for money. These are women that have moved on with their lives, moved out of the state. They've got husbands. They've got families. They're sitting on my, in my courtroom crying right. and shaking and reliving a trauma, and it doesn't make any sense that they'd be doing it to be vindictive or for money. Right. So it's very hard to say. It's mm-hmm. very hard to say because it, it's just, you know – what do you believe? Uh, right. And I think that in this, what we now, like, it's such a debate in our country right now with believing victims and not. And I don't know if it borderlines on that political stuff. And I don't really want to get into it. I don't feel right. like this is the platform for it. But as a woman, I think it's important to at least listen. Absolutely. And I just, I feel like this, the specificness of mm-hmm. the accusations that were lobbied Right. Where's a 13-year-old girl going to come up with, <laughs> right. I had to do these things to make my blood pure? Right. So, I I mean, I definitely believe. There was something to it. There, I believe it. I, I believe too. it. I do, too. Um, But I, I believe that, you know, the intentions of those who, who don't are pure as well and that they, right. you know, they yeah. live a different life and they're right there in the middle of it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they do know things that we don't know, but at the same time, mm-hmm we're able to step back and look at the whole picture. And yeah. I definitely think King Ben was a creep. For sure. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> the gift shop. I, like, I almost forgot to talk about it. Um, it's not on the same property as the campground. Nope. 
It is connected to the museum, which is run by Ron Taylor, the only surviving member of the original tribe. If we're not calling it a cult. I, I mean, it's a cult. Even <laughs> it, 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 Cult doesn't have to be a bad word, but right. if you're going by definition, definition of the word, it's a cult. Right. Um, he's the last member of City of David. So the House of David's still across right. the street, but he's the last member of City. Correct. To me, the really interesting thing, because they're right across the street from each other, like House of David had the money. Yeah. City of David is definitely the wife that got left by her husband and had to rebuild. You yeah. can see the difference. Yeah. In the buildings. Yes. And the properties. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, so there are two museums. There's a yes. museum in St. Joseph that's yep. run by someone who's not a member at all. And then mm-hmm. there is this museum that is right in the city of David property. Right. And it is run by Ron. Yes. Um, we went. We did not go in the museum, but we did go into the gift shop, which is connected yes. to the museum. Yes. And that is run by Ron's sister. Yes. We talked to her a little bit, too. Um, she was very kind and nice. She gave me our best sound bite, I think, even though I didn't record it. So it's not a sound bite. It's a quote. What'd she say? Um, when we were talking about, you know, she said, my brother is the last yes. member. And we were like, oh, wow. When she goes, yep, the celibacy's taken its toll. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And we asked if she was a member and she said, no. We should have known because she had very short curly hair. Right. The, so the women couldn't cut their hair? No. That nobody okay. could cut their hair. I wasn't sure. Um, but the gift shop had lots of materials for free to take home and read yes literature um, yeah they also had items for sale um Bought a couple of postcards we did they had cufflinks for sale that looked antique and i was trying to i should have asked what the significance was because it looked like some personal items were there but they were very inexpensive so i felt like maybe there was not a lot of significance but my, maybe there was my thought was that they had the Things that they made. So they had mm-hmm. like crafts that they yep. make. Yep. They had the historical stuff. So you could buy like posters and postcards and pictures and stuff. Yes. And then the rest of it literally, some of the stuff like in the little glass case looked like stuff that maybe they found there. Maybe. That the little been. medicine bottles and stuff. Yeah. Because they seemed been. kind of out of place. But, mm-hmm. but if they were that's antique-y. what they, we should have asked. Now we we're just speculating. We I were know. just, it was a, it was quite a day. It was a day. And we were quite overwhelmed by it the was end a day. of it. Um, and hot. Yeah, so we drove around that property for a little bit. Um, to me, it felt creepy. The, it was. The property. It, it was, was like an abandoned little neighborhood where all the houses look the same, but like really run down. Yes. Um, they were all gray and white, which I, that's my favorite color scheme. Yes. If you could see my living room Danny's or my house. Danny's house is like 50 shades of gray. It really is. Without the, but without this the was, fun room. This was different. You don't have a fun room, right? No. <laughs> There's no fun to be had in this house. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, we drove through there. That was the last thing we did was we drove through the little neighborhood. And you could see some houses actually had people living there. Yeah. Um, some of them looked very abandoned. Yes. And that, that was I up. honestly wanted to, like, drive out of there pretty quick. That definitely was that one different. Just, it, I I it, felt uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Very uncomfortable. Yeah, that's really what it was. Um, after that, we went to Henry's Hamburgers. Yeah. Um, that's cool. They nuggets. have corn nuggets. Those were so good. They were so good. Um, I hate corn right now. 
I'm sure because <laughs> of your icing. Yeah, I recently had a little incident and so I'm sprained and bruised and bloody everywhere and I'm using frozen corn and one of the bags like leaked on me last night so I just smelled like a big corn okay. nugget. I Gross. was a corn nugget. And I am just happy that it's not buggy corn. <laughs> um, But when we were at Henry's Hamburgers, I thought we were going to die. <gasps> yes. Because we went inside but there was somebody in the drive-thru that was on something on some kind of drug and they were yelling at the workers screaming through the window like it was bad so scene. horrible and i have to tell you those workers maybe teenagers yeah they were like they handled whatever. it very they, well yeah so professional sadly almost as if they deal with it regularly <laughs> yeah which bummed me out that that was a bummer but I do recommend Henry's hamburgers and their <laughs> yeah, corn nuggets. For sure. Um, it was a weird day. That's how I'm going to end it. It was a weird, it was a weird day. day. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, okay, so file dump time. All right. Talking about weird stuff. I know, right? This week, we're going to tell you one weird fact about ourselves. Okay. Like if someone asked, what's something interesting about you? This would be your answer. It, like, how do you freak people out? Usually, I can I go first? Yes. I mean, mine is saying that I do a podcast. That's called <laughs> That's So That's your Dead. weird thing? It really is. Because do you know how many people, or like if I'm wearing one of our shirts? Yeah, that's right. I wear our, our swag out. Heck yeah. I get the weirdest. It's, it's such funny. a conversation starter. And I'm proud of it, so I'm happy to tell people, but. I don't like to talk to strangers. <laughs> I that's my thing. I if always talk to strangers. I mean, if it's somebody that's like, hey, I listened to that, then like, let's talk about it. But if right. it's just a stranger trying to start up a conversation when I'm trying to buy my non-buggy corn, mm-hmm. I just, just let me buy my non-buggy corn and go home. Is that your weird thing? No. You don't like to talk to people? No, that's just a character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I would definitely say this is up there with, there's so many, I'm a super fucking weird person. True. But I like that about you. Thanks. I'm trying like I'm trying to rack my brain. So I'll tell you mine. I like to say it just for like the shock value. Uh I was in Playboy. <laughs> I, I know this story, so I'm not super shocked. <gasps> but not but the first time I told you. You're right. My eyeballs got big. <laughs> not in the way that you would think. No photos. Thanks. Nobody wants to see that. Um it was because I used to write fan fiction for Sons of Anarchy because I'm obsessed with Sons of Anarchy still. Um, actually, the day that this episode comes out is the season premiere of Mayans, which is the spinoff, which I also love, but now we're getting way off track. Anyway, so I used to write fan fiction for Sons of Anarchy and that made it into the Playboy online magazine a few that. years ago. So I like to tell people that I've been in Playboy. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. All right. So now it's Danny's favorite thing. It's our time of the month. <laughs> I'm just going to accept it. Uh, it's time to thank all of the listeners that have left us reviews on Apple Podcasts and our Facebook page over the past month. Um, so I'm going to do the Facebook ones. Okay. Uh, we've got Jill Bain, Cy Wilson, Shanna. I don't know if it's Crab or Crabby. It's C-R-A-B-B-E. Which would you say? Crab. Crab, Shanna Crab, uh, Nicole Rowland, Christopher Palacio Salazar, Jody Doran DeLong, Jacob Renard, Jessica Lindsay, 
Sue Bouvier Lewis. Wasn't that the name of Marge Simpson's sisters? Isn't that their last name, Bouvier? I don't, I know. don't know. That's a weird fact. I'm looking it Sorry, up. Sorry, Sue. Sorry, Sue. Uh, Jackie Mata Gonzalez, uh, Courtney Millard, Andrea Bazaar. I would. I don't know how to say it right, but I would say Bazaar if that was my last name, even if that's not right, because it looks like Bazaar might be one of the ways you could pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danielle Marie, Missy Starr, uh, Jesse Jones, Denise Miller Thomas, Angela Bultima, Don McIver Blowers. Maggie Helwig, and Lynn Barron. And from Apple Podcasts, we have Sosalini, Dane Paws 5, Nirvana Lover for Life. For life! Me too. <laughs> Misty DC, D Loves Rusty, Rebelette 77. Okay, you give me the ones where they're handles, so they're not real words. No, no. Last time I did the okay, I did the fair enough. Apple podcast. I'm really good at time. botching things. <laughs> um, Kay Badenhop and Tana Cree. Um, thanks, guys. No, oh yeah, thank of course. <laughs> no, of course, thank you. <laughs> of course, I was going to say no. We're not ending right now because we have no, big news. But thank you to all of the people that have taken the time to leave us reviews. <laughs> yes, of course. All right. But we have news. We have news. Mm-hmm. And not all of it is great, so hold on to your butts. <laughs> um, first and foremost, we love you guys so much, and we love doing this podcast. If we could do it for a living, we would, mm-hmm. and maybe someday we will. Lord, I hope. <laughs> but as things currently stand, we've both been a little overwhelmed. We have demanding jobs. Um, we have families. And tour businesses and books to write. <laughs> and we're not abandoning you. Did I say that word right? Yeah. Abandoning yeah. you. Um, but we did agree that we need to slow down just a tiny bit. Just a little. Um, so starting in October, instead of putting out weekly episodes, we will be switching over to episodes every other week. Mm. And over the holidays, we'll be taking a mini break, but we won't be gone gone. No, we've come up with a way to make sure you're still getting fresh content, a little bit of new stuff, a little bit of repurposed stuff, and then... And then we'll be back with season two of So Dead, starting Tuesday, January 7th, just in time for our one year anniversary. Speaking of anniversaries, we're going to celebrate ours with another live show. We're still working out the details, but we do know that it will be on January 11th in Lansing, Mm -hmm. so stay tuned for more info on that. Um, We know the reduced schedule is a bummer. We get it. We feel it. Um, But we do want this podcast to be the best it can be. And we want to be able to take the time to give you guys the caliber of stories that you deserve. Exactly. And we also need time to breathe. Um, Once in a while, we might want to see our kids and... Like take a nap. Sleep here and there. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This shift to episodes every other week may not be forever, but it is for now. And we do hope you guys understand. Yeah. Um, And we also hope to see you all at the Festival of Oddities this weekend at the Turner Dodge House in Lansing. Um, Our show is at noon. And that's sharp. Sharp. Right at noon. Very sharp. Yep. The pre-sale tickets have all sold. um, But there will be seats available the day of. They are first come, first serve. Doors open at 11, and the entry to the house is $5 per person. 
Um, but once the ballroom is full, it's full. They We are not in control of this facility. Right. They will turn people away. Right. So get there early, y'all. So about half the seats are gone um, with the pre-sales. So mm-hmm. there will be about 30 or so seats available day of to the first 30 people that show up at the door. Mm-hmm. May the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon at So Dead Podcast. Speaking of Patreon, um, our patrons who picked this crazy little trip for us Mm -hmm. uh, have exclusive access to video footage of our trip to House of David and other bonus content that's going to go up on the page. So if you want to know more about our trip, join us on Patreon and we'll be posting some more details there. Yeah. Um, You can also find us online at sodadpodcast.com and email us your feedback and story ideas to sodadpodcast at gmail.com. Now get out there and shine. You magnificent what the fucks.